0: Hey folks this is dr c and welcome to the office hours uh so today barry and i are being joined again by our uh second time guests uh dr maxwell uh, paul and max just in case people are acting a little out of sorts and didn't listen to the first one what should they know about you they should know that i am an associate professor
1: of ancient and classical studies over at richmond indiana where i teach at Earlham college and have been for like 10 years which is super exciting um i'm also
0: still 37 and still uh, on TikTok at Prof Maxwell. Yeah. Uh, it just occurred to me that means that you you probably got that gig not long out the gate from graduating.
1: Yeah. I did. You have I, to murder
0: someone because I had.
1: Yes, essentially. Yes, I did. No, <laughs> I, I I fell into this. This was my one my one uh, interview I got was for a visiting professorship, and then it turned out that um, that it turned into a tenure track search, and I was the inside
0: candidate. I, yeah, Stupid luck. More power to you. Look, goodness gracious. I, I remember uh, a grad student asking me, so Gabe, how many, uh, how many applications did you send out? Because they were sending out like 20, 30. I said, oh, I, I sent out between 50 and 60. I got three callbacks. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, really? Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. And then the job I got immediately after uh, I graduated was none of those three callbacks. That was just networking with a friend. So, yeah. Uh. Yep. <laughs> well, if there's yep. any
1: critics, they're just jealous. It's fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so today we're going to talk about a subject matter that is near and dear to all our hearts, and that is Nazis. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it, just as a disclaimer, because I do talk about white nationalism on here from time to time, this was this was Max. This was your idea. You wanted to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, look, we can talk about Nazis. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. That is. This is the official. The official stance of the uh, Office Hours uh, podcast is uh, "fuck Nazis. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so, <laughs> all right. What is the relationship between classics uh, and the sort of uh, pop culture imagination of history in that regard and the modern iteration of white nationalism? Sure. It's uh, it's, it's not good.
1: <laughs> it's, it's real not good. Um, whew. That's such a big big question to come out the gate with. All right. So, the easiest way to to just bottom line this is that classics and white nationalism are inextricably linked and have been from the start. Okay. Um, a lot of folks, probably, let me rephrase that. A lot of white folks didn't know that, um, including myself. And, you know, in the past you know, ten odd years, people have been like, "Ah, oh, hmm, it seems. It seems maybe we should be taking a closer look at this." Um, but yeah, it is. It's predicated on this notion of essentially a glorious white European past, which never actually existed. But that hasn't stopped um, people from imagining that, and that is definitely how it's portrayed in popular culture, which then sort of reinforces this notion. That Rome was white and Greece was white, um, and therefore it's something that white folks now can claim as their heritage and more
0: darkly proof of their excellence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's start here uh, with something that you pointed out, and that is this sort of broad understanding of what of Western civilization. And in fact, Uh, the the misnomer that is the phrase Western civilization, uh because that is a way of homogenizing a an extremely diverse and uh, an extremely diverse group of cultures that all had anachronistic identities, you know, as every culture does over yeah. the course of its history, and then to boil that down to what is a very thin slice of that timeline—that is the—and uh, even not even the entire Roman Empire, because when they talk about the Roman Empire, they're talking about like the—they're not even discussing like uh, Byzantium, right? No, or, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, Asia Minor, or any of those places. They're talking about the top of the West. That's the it. The West, yeah, the Western branch of it, and and folks who today who today would maybe maybe tangentially be considered white uh
1: maybe (laughs) yeah i mean it this all gets down to right like race is a social construct yes and it depends on who you're who you're talking to um but you know it's it is such it's such a bold and erroneous claim um I mean, even, yeah, even starting with with Western civilization, um, one of my colleagues, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name. Rebecca Fudo Kennedy, there we are. Um, She has this great piece, like tracking the origin of the phrase Western civilization. And I don't remember how old it is, but it's sub 200 years, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is is a relatively new concept. Um, Pair that with this delightful infographic I saw um, there was just a map of the world, and they had labeled what what places counted as the West. Mm. Um, and so you're like, okay, America is the West, but also so is Australia, and so is like parts of Europe, and like maybe Israel, but probably not Palestine. And you're just like trying to figure out where yeah. exactly the West is, and you're like, it's just say white people. That's what you're. Ta- it's so what you're talking to is white people. Yeah. Except a specific kind. Yeah. Yep.
0: Anywhere anywhere uh, where the descendants of those who did not have much exposure to the sun have gone is the West. West. (laughs) Uh, So this is really interesting to me because uh, so my secondary area of interest uh, is white nationalism and their propaganda efforts and sort of the use of narrative and how they construct a world uh, that is at best adjacent to ours and at worst grossly fantastic. Uh, yep. and I mean that in the, in the hyperbolic sense, right? So, um, the one that immediately comes to mind is the, uh, organization Identity Europa. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which just as a point of grammar, they spell E V R O P A. Is that, it's is that just, a thing?
1: They are using Roman style lettering, which didn't make a distinction between us and V's. That's, uh-huh. that's it. That's the entire. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's not, it's not clever. <laughs> It is the fedora in that image. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and you know that, that, that spelling identity Europa, if it were a person, it would study quote the blade or whatever the hell those edge words are into. Um, so identity Europa was one of the white nationalist organizations that was at like the Charlottesville uh, rally, unite the right. Um, they were a lesser player, but they were still there among the group with like the, uh, Legion of the South and the Proud Boys and, and, uh, and all of them and Richard Spencer and his ilk. Yeah. But this is, while they're a relatively new group, they are a part of this idea of, of upholding the West, uh, right? The Proud Boys talk about this as being Western chauvinists. Um, yeah. And this notion of a homogenized whiteness, which is interesting because that does a huge disservice to actual history and actual culture, but they're not interested in that, right? They're interested in this sort of, uh, so I, I made a I wrote I, pff, excuse me again. Grading is done. I'm a husk of a man. Uh, I co-authored a paper uh, that was turned into a book chapter with a, with a buddy of mine, um, where we looked at the narrative construction of uh, propaganda that has been showing up increasingly over the last five years, as of this recording, um, per- across the United States, particularly in the Midwest, but across the United States uh, with white nationalist uh, recruiting efforts. And a lot of it has that thing of, like, preserve heritage, preserve culture, that kind of thing. They use statues that look Romanesque, or at least an approximation of being Romanesque. Um, They – Identity Europa use their stupid spelling. um, And uh, American Vanguard, all them sort of stuff, they have this sort of imagery in it. And actually, uh, uh, American Vanguard, which is now Patriot Front, um, because after the Charlottesville rally, they, for legal purposes – rebranded themselves. Um, fun mm-hmm. fact, fun fact, they actually split into two organizations. They went from um, American Vanguard to Patriot Front being one. And then the second one was being the National Socialist Legion because they wanted to engage in violence and thought that the Patriot Front folks were not legit enough, basically. Um, so No, America- this is terribly surprising. Yeah. Right. Uh, so but like Patriot Front uses the fascists, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, yeah. in their symbolism. Um, as obviously a reference to fascism, Benito Mussolini, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and and his rhetoric about like, you know, the supposed glory of Rome and all that kind of thing. So, it's not going away anytime soon. Uh These groups have, in some cases, been around for a couple decades at this point. Some are relatively new, but what's interesting about this is while they don't really grow that much in numbers, they certainly grow in activity, and the players don't change. So whether we like it or not, they're here to stay at least for a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So what are some of the ways that you've seen this romanticized and collapsed version of Western civilization or, uh, uh, you know, history from the classics, uh, used.
1: One of the things I show my students is a promotional video for lack of a better word. Uh, Put out by Richard Spencer's uh, American Policy Institute. Uh, This is probably four or five years ago at this point. Um, Yeah, Um, and it's it is all about uh, reclaiming your heritage and asking like, oh, do you feel lost? Do you feel disconnected to things? And over this this Spencerian monologue are images
0: of. Don't give that man a genre of, of language. No. He's not, no, <laughs> Charles Dickens earned Dickensian, all right?
1: <laughs> Richard on. Spencer
0: earned a punch in the face. That um, he absolutely did. Yeah. So over his monologue, um,
1: yeah. you've got images of, like, white children with blue, like, bright blue eyes with crank the saturation up, blonde hair, and then just, like, images of... Roman ruins and Greek statues, also, like, some Viking iconography in there. Like, it's just... It's the best because it's... It's grasping at anything that's, like, kind of old and European um, and could, like, be conceivably argued as white. But it's, like, it's the... A video made by the types of folks who are like, yes, European is a reasonable class of thing. And you're like this is a whole bunch of disparate groups. Like you, like it is incredibly pluralized, but they don't care. Like the idea is great Greece and Rome and the Vikings. They're all part of like white heritage Mm -hmm. that Americans should be reaching towards. Um, And that's the, like, that's the underscoring piece of, of a lot of this, right? Like you take ethnic essentialism, that whiteness is not a social construct, right? That it's, Mm -hmm. That it is a real thing, um, and that confers with it certain cultural excellences, and then you're like, great. Once we've bought into that, we can then try to sell you on this idea of a white Greece or a white Rome, yeah. which never existed. Um, there was ne- there was never a point in that an- either of those cultures was ever ethnically pure, with all of the scare quotes. Um, like they were, it was always an amalgamation, and it was always an amalgamation of people of different skin tones. Also, it's very important to note that, like, whiteness wasn't a category in antiquity.
0: Like, nope. it, it was, wasn't a thing. Um, yeah. So, our, like, our concept of whiteness didn't begin to be developed until the late 15th century.
1: Yeah. So, it's, <laughs> they're just so. Mm, so many inaccuracies, but none of them matter, right? Like, because all, all that does matter is that you use the general concept of the greatness of Rome and Greece as saying, like, all right, white person, like, that's a thing you're owed. You don't have it.
0: You used to be great. Let's be great again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that language is very important, right? That, uh, that reminiscence and, and uh, was it Stuart Hall, uh, it was the cultural uh, scholar? said that, uh, and he was writing at the time in Britain in the 80s, maybe it was the late 70s, hmm. and he said that the the conservatives at the time were trying to sell progress by regression. Ooh, Ooh. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a book, actually, in a book that he wrote in response to the administration of Margaret Thatcher, if I'm not mistaken. And for context, uh, 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 for those that don't know, um, Stuart Hall was a uh, British scholar from Jamaica, uh, and so he had thoughts on how Britain was doing things. He uh, did. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, this idea of like progress by regression, right? Going back to a golden age that doesn't that never existed. It only existed in fictional stories that we tell ourselves because those are collapsed versions of reality. And this actually reminds me of uh where I was my brain was going at one point in that last tangent I went on. The chapter that I wrote is called uh, A Safe Space for the White Race, An Interrogation of White Nationalist Propaganda. That's and a it's, really nice title. Well, It's from Spencer himself when he says, mm-hmm. I want to make a safe space for white people. I w-, and, and this is almost verbatim. He says, I want to recreate the Roman Empire but for like mm-hmm. Scots and Finns and the British and you know, I think he includes the Italians and the Germans and so- stuff like that. And, I mean, he'd have to, yeah. Yeah. W- well, Well, he doesn't have to do anything. Well, but if he wants to claim Rome
1: and if he wants to claim Germany and if he wants to claim the Vikings, right, Like you have to let these people in.
0: Like, otherwise. Yeah, no. Well, what what I mean is he's not bound by reality or approximation thereof. So, yeah, uh, his headcanon is continuous in itself. Right. Um, So. So, yeah. And the idea of trying to create a Roman Empire. Right. Because he didn't say a a British Empire. He didn't say a Teutonic Empire. Right. He said a Roman Empire and all the attendant uh, glory that goes along with that. But what's interesting about that, and this underscores a point that I've, I've heard before, is that it is sort of superficial to when you study the Romans or the Greeks, it's important to understand that they were also studying the Egyptians. They were also studying the Persians. They were studying those who came before in other parts of the world who were decidedly not them Absolutely. Right? in order to get to where they were. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Inter- an interconnected, larger Mediterranean basin, Near East, all of it. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, and this other thing you mentioned earlier about the the phrase uh, Western civilization being relatively new, only in the last yeah. couple hundred years, reminds me of. Um, so this gets into uh, what's going on right now with like Norse paganism and its connection to white mm. nationalism. Right?
1: Yeah. And yeah. I say
0: this as someone I am not a, a member of that faith practice, uh, and I recognize that there are those who are who do not fall into this category. Uh, so I want to have that clear disclaimer. Um, but the particular version of North, Norse paganism uh, that is in the United States at the moment that is called referred to as volkish or folk based uh, hails back to the ancient 1970s. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I completely believe that, yeah. Yeah, when it was imported from overseas. And overseas, it goes back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. And what was interesting about Mm -hmm. it, I was doing some reading about it, and it started with a handful of people who would eventually become proto-Nazis, and then Nazis proper. Mm -hmm. But they were concerned about the uh, multiculturalism of Catholicism. Okay, okay, all right. (laughs) Uh One of the interesting things about Catholicism and about any any broad religion, we could say the same thing about Judaism or, or Islam, for that matter, um, is that as it spreads and it interacts with other cultures, it brings with it cultural practices. Right. Yeah. So any religion will do that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so, for example, uh, you know, I'm Mexican American. Um, in Mexico, you have like Santa Muerte, which is like an inverted yeah. version of the Virgin Mary. For those that know, don't know, it's a combination of like a uh, uh, a cultist perspective on death, infused with imagery of the Virgin Mary, that kind of thing. Anyway, so the, this group of, of Germans from the late 1800s were concerned about how Catholicism was spreading all of this, you know, multicultural perspective, and they're like, "Well, we need to go back to something older. Um, let's let's be let's be Nords." Uh, are we? No, but that's not important. Doesn't matter. We'll <laughs> no, doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, 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 it's a good story. Uh, That's that's all that they're worried about at that point. Right. And so they reinvent this sort of uh, uh, Norse paganism that then is what we have a variation of what we have now. But even that was not rooted in anything that was authentic or genuine to the people who actually have a a, a legitimate um, way into our ownership of that particular culture or faith practice. Right. So, yeah, it's all about preserving something, even if that something is fictitious. Yeah. 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 It's the nod to what someone
1: thinks is the important bit. And yeah, if, even if you just made it up, like that's, it doesn't
0: matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are your students aware of this sort of connection?
1: Yes. Uh, we, we talk about it explicitly. Um, yeah. Um, I, at this point, it would be irresponsible to not bring up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we, we have to. Tread carefully, especially when I'm having them do some of their their own research projects, because um, we we do. Um, I teach a class called "This Is Sparta," and it's all about um, modern receptions of antiquity. And we watch 300 in it, um, and we, we got to do a lot of work to be like, "All right, folks, this is this is pretty propagandistic and like deeply racist and xenophobic. We need to, to unpack this." Um, uh-huh. And I I have had students inadvertently, when they're doing research on this, like, bring in articles from white nationalist publications Mm -hmm. that they did not realize. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) like, let's, because they're like, well, it says, it says right here. That you know, insert racist claim about antiquity, and you're like, mm hmm, mm hmm, it does say that. Left, sorry, maybe. American Renaissance
0: does not count as a credible source, children. That was exactly that source. Was yes. it, oh, I hate that mother, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my, no, like, I forget the guy who's behind it. What's his name? Um, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. no, he's he's like an evil Bill Nye, uh, for lack of a better term, but he or or uh, uh, whatever Richard mention is going to look like in 30 years. But no, the, the guy who's behind American Renaissance, I hate that website so much and I've spent looks, way too much time there. It looks convincing enough to, you yeah. know, an 18 year old who's like, oh, yeah. I'm doing classics research <clears throat> yeah. and they use they use fancy terminology like or fancy terminology with air quotes uh, uh, race realism and the philosophy. It ain't a philosophy of shit. like, no, yeah. no. no.
1: So yes, we we do absolutely have to have to talk about this, um, especially it's when it comes up inadvertently. That's the the tricky bit. And I, I mentioned in our last episode, uh, Percy Jackson, um, mm-hmm. and I have to frontload this by saying that like Reardon has gotten like so much better, so mm-hmm. much better uh, as a writer and presumably as a person. But like the world building he did, I'll just do a, a quick. Um, Quick bottom line of this for you. And you'd be like, hmm, some of this sounds familiar. So, he needs to explain why the gods have moved from ancient Greece to America. You're like, okay, how are you going to do this, Rick? And he's like, well, the gods move with, and I quote, the spirit of the West. Oh, no. Yes. And he's like, so the spirit went, you know, from Greece to Rome. Um, It was in England for a time. It was in Spain. And now now it's in america so that's where the gods live um and and you're like okay all right fair enough buddy um as this is a white guy writing and i feel like he's doing this in the early 2000s like everybody in that book is white um at least except for except for two people and they are monsters and you're like okay all right that's fine
0: well it's, it's it's my understanding that herodotus was white is that is that not the case
1: uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, he creates he creates this world where, you're like, okay, the gods are tied to the west, and the gods have all these offspring who are all white, but they're all of the same genetic line. Like the kids are hanging out at it. All right, so camp- we got
0: some we got some purity of blood magic here. That's
1: the camp is camp half blood. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and at one point, our, our character, Percy Jackson, is given a sword, and his teacher's like, yeah, yeah, yeah this sword won't actually cut people who aren't monsters, who, who aren't demigods, because they're not important enough for the blade to notice.
0: It only kills
1: the inferior. <laughs> the superior. It only kills the superior. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry yeah. yeah. But... But yeah, so like, again, he's, I'm not claiming that Reardon is a white supremacist, but he built this world where you've got a white race of demigods who's genetically distinct from the general population and who has been influential in guiding Western history. And you're like, buddy, Mm -hmm. buddy, I know you didn't mean to do this, but you did, you did a bad, you did a bad. And so it's it's important for students to be able to see, like, (laughs) yeah, this is
0: Everywhere, like it's baked into a lot of things that you just wouldn't otherwise notice. And that's a th- no. That's a really interesting. That's a really good point to make. That sort of media literacy because it is rather uh, it is pervasive. It's everywhere. Um, we certainly see it. I'd make the contention. I was well. I was talking to a student of mine uh, who was. We talked about comic books, and I ran into him and he said, "Hey, Dr. Cruz," and he talked about something. I said, "Well, hold on a second. I got to go print off something." But while you're waiting, I want you to think about this. I said. Uh, in what way does Captain America wielding Mjolnir in Endgame uh, feed into white nationalist propaganda? And he's a uh, young black gentleman. Uh, and he's like, uh, "What?" and I walked away, came back. You chew, on that. Yeah. Had chew on that for a second. And I walked away five or ten minutes later and he's like, Dr. Cruz, I got nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Are you telling me that, that that's like Nazi stuff? I said, no, it's not Nazi stuff. I said, but let's consider some things for a second. Uh, number one, you have the uh, hammer of Thor that bestows or is an indicator of worthiness and who will, and first of all, a uh, hammer of Thor, Thor is a Nordic God commonly used by a lot of uh, neo-Nazis now as a emblem of white supremacy, not to mention played by Chris Hemsworth, who is human supremacy in many regards. Right. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is a standard. he's a very attractive man. Right. Uh, I said, combine that with the, Um, mythology of their superiority in the MCU. They're an advanced species far and away beyond anything that we could uh, hope to be. Uh, And then that weapon that uh, indicates worthiness is picked up by a white American man from the 1940s, which he uses to defeat evil, right? Uh, and, And that kind of thing. Many of which, and the others on the business end of that hammer are uh monstrosities which is often used as a parallel for uh people of color and that kind of thing in in old boys like i i want to like that movie i said you can it's a great movie i, I love the it. movie also now welcome to my life this is what yeah. i see everywhere i go uh, <laughs> what's your question kid uh anyway so <laughs> um but yeah the the stuff is is uh quite ubiquitous, and there is so much misinformation about yeah. the classics in history that it becomes difficult, which is a, a great reason to follow you on TikTok, because hey. you actually put out good information about these Why, things. thank you, yeah. You know? I mean, there's a wide world of terrible things
1: connecting classics and white supremacy. Um, I think much as you asked your student, I think I would have your listeners notice any time something Greek or Roman is being deployed in mm. a modern setting and ask why?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I, and you know, the thing like with Percy Jackson, to go back to what you were saying earlier, there is so much material there to sort of recontextualize and remix and turn into modern storytelling. Um, but that does really seem like stealing from tropes and stealing from from tropes on tropes. Neil Gaiman, right? Uh, Love him. And, yeah. Right, American Gods, yeah, uh, which uh, I enjoyed the book. I didn't watch the TV show, so I, you know, I don't know, but, sure. uh, but uh, Wednesday, Odin, right? Yeah, yeah, and and they explain gods go wherever people are. And that yeah. makes a degree of sense. And what I appreciate about that was that you come away with the understanding that, yeah, no, uh, Wednesday is not a good guy. He is not the hero in any of this. Uh, and that pushes back directly against this idea of a romanticized version of a character uh, out of myth that is r- pretty vicious in many regards. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Gaiman, contrasting to... Um to reardon like needed to get his gods to america right american gods right. but he's like oh they came with immigrants and they didn't like bring that god they brought an aspect of the god through their worship and through their practice and you're like right. that's a much cleaner and i think more respectful and less problematic way of
0: being like oh why are these gods here and it's
1: like yeah, yeah great they come with the people
0: yeah yeah yeah, it's a much less tropey, much less stereotypical way of going about it, and almost makes up for the fact that he borrows from the trope of uh, women consuming men via sex, uh, which is the opening chapter of yep. that book.
1: Was it with Bilkist? Uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the goddess who becomes a, a sex worker who then bodily consumes her Johns. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You win some, you lose some. That
1: did make it into the show. That did make it into the show.
0: And that's a part of why I haven't watched it. If I'm being yeah. honest, I'm a little yeah. concerned. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So then, uh, all right. So we'll, we'll go ahead and, and pull it to a close. Then I think we sure. covered some good ground today and we're running out of time. So uh, Max, where can people find you?
1: They can find me at Prof Maxwell on TikTok. Uh, you can search Maxwell Paul uh, on Twitter. That's the other account. There we are. Or you can come uh, join me at Earlham
0: College in Richmond, Indiana. All right. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, folks can find me on TikTok at Dr. C and on Twitter and Instagram at GA Cruz PhD. All right, folks. Thanks for stopping by the office. We'll see you next week.